Talking about stuff, talking about things, talking about you, talking about me. It's not a wild country, and we are celebrating. It is Canberra. Conversations in the capital. Hello, my name is Henry. Welcome to Canberra Conversations in the Capital. Today, on the set of Canberra Youth Theatre's Rosieville production, I'm joined by performance designer Ashlyn King. With a focus on creating immersive experiences inspired by movement, gesture, light and material, Ashlyn is a NIDA graduate who has engaged in production design around the world. The recipient of the Australian Production Design Guild's Emerging Designer for Live Performance Award, Ashlyn has been non-stop with her professional creative projects. As she continues to evolve, Ashlyn's spotlight continues to grow in this city, contributing to Canberra's culture, one design at a time. Hello, Ashlyn. How are you going today? <laughs> Hi, Henry. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, thank you for being a part of this. And thank you for creating such an awesome set and costume design for Rosieville. We just watched the matinee show, the Saturday matinee show, and it's such a heartfelt and heart-filled production yeah. Um, yeah. that I think is only really furthered buy everything on the stage, the set, the costumes, all of it. So good job on that one. <laughs> um, you are currently one of Canberra Youth Theatre's or Canberra Theatre's residential artists. Yep, Canberra Youth Theatre resident artist, 2023. 2023. Yeah. <laughs> what does that role entail? So it's involved designing one of the productions in their production seasons. So that was this production of Rosieville that you've just seen. Um, it's also involved being a part of some mentoring sessions for some of the other programs that the youth theatre runs. So I've sort of given design mentor sessions with the Emerge group and yeah, it's been so great to be involved. It's the fourth production that I've designed with the Canberra Youth Theatre and with Luke Rogers as director and in this venue of the Courtyard Studio. So yes. I know it well. <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing venue as well, the Courtyard. We just watched the matinee and in a few hours time, the, the evening show is going to happen. And so we're caught in this nice little bubble here where things are just going to happen around us every now and then. <laughs> you're going to hear like cleaning noises. You're going to hear people moving sets around just to prepare for the show again in the evening. And unless something drastic happens, I think we're just going to keep rolling throughout all of that because it's Perfect. a nice little, yeah. it's a nice little ambient sound. Yeah, I can't wait for the fire alarm to go off instead, you know, <laughs> and then this whole thing just has to get cut. But tell me about your origins in design. How did all this begin? Well, I've always been drawing and creating and making and dancing and <laughs> in this imaginary realm, just always been making things. And I grew up surrounded by creativity um, my mum's an architect and cool. her mum was an opera singer and I think that's sort of passed through. I was exposed to a lot of artists and designers and architects and musicians and performance growing up and so I've been really immersed in it and constantly seeking out ways to be expressive and interpretive. So it was sort of a, a combination of all of my interests that have led me this far. <laughs> Almost like just generational connectivity behind all of it. Hmm. Would you say that your work has been influenced by any particular other artists, any particular other people, your style of design as well? The performances that I remember most when I was growing up that really influenced me, I remember seeing a Sean Tan production hmm. of The Lost Thing as a puppet show when I was about nine. 
and loved it. It was incredible. And I went up to the performers and the puppets after the show and, yeah, it was just totally in it. Other things I saw around that time, there was this crazy festival called The Lazy Kings that was in Canberra and it was a moving music and sort of performance festival that was at night and had lights and these crazy characters. And I remember being taken away with it and speaking a different language to one of the performers <laughs> and, yeah, just loved it. I also grew up seeing a lot of contemporary dance yeah. and I think that interest in movement and light and the abstract has really carried through. That's lovely. You went to NIDA yes. to do... Uh, performance design or to study performance design yep. rather any really fond experiences and memories of the academy like it's such a renowned institution but it's rare to get a proper insight into it you know you hear people just say oh yeah I went to NIDA and everyone's like oh cool that's awesome you know but like what sort of experiences and memories did you take away from your few years there so I launched into NIDA when I was 18 straight off the back of a gap year and it was Pretty amazing, pretty intense, but it really was very hands-on and really sort of helped me evolve my design practice through a lot of sort of practical learning. In first and second year, we mainly had a lot of conceptual projects and design skills training. So my class was only eight people oh. of designers and each sort of department we'd collaborate with and sort of do scenic painting or design drafting or, you know, all these different aspects that come together. And I always loved the conceptual side of designing and interpreting. And then going into third year in master's, then it became working as part of a company as the sort of lead designer on the night of production season cool. and sort of great collaborations with industry directors. And, yeah, it was, it was great. Any, like, fun secret NIDA-based traditions that only people <laughs> who've gone to NIDA know about that you can reveal to me? We used to sign sort of the basement walls in there. There's a lot of sort of hidden corridors and passageways underneath and all the making courses and the design course are all sort of in these back passageway corridors. So a lot would happen in these in-between spaces. But, yeah, it um, definitely is a drama school and full of a lot of characters and dance battles I used to <laughs> so <laughs> enter into yeah <laughs> so what you're saying is I should just go to one of these halls and sign my name and be like I went to NIDA look my, <laughs> my name's on these walls <laughs> <laughs> might get away with that <laughs> <laughs> So after NIDA, you went on quite a few different international excursions, let's say. Denmark for 2020 Made uh, mm -hmm. with the Sydney Opera House and then to Canada as part of World Stage Design in 2022. What was that like? What was either of these things like? <laughs> Which one should we start with? Should we talk we'll about... start with Made. Yeah. Made, yeah. Um, so Made is a Sydney Opera House program and it stands for Multidisciplinary Australian Danish Exchange. Mm. 
or multidisciplinary architecture, design, engineering. So it's oh, it's got one of those yeah, doubles. double oh, double meaning. Yeah. But it was set up for the artsy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> set up for the 40th anniversary of the Opera House in celebration of Utsun, who is the architect of the Opera House and is mm. Danish. Yeah. So this program was set up as an exchange where five Australian students and five Danish students would swap each year mm. for 10 years. And so I applied in 2019 and did the program at the very beginning of 2020, which was very lucky timing and <laughs> got to spend a few months over in Denmark. And we were based in Copenhagen in the middle of winter, cool. working with an architecture firm there on a project brief that they set with us that had quite a public realm sort of focus. And yeah, it was a great sort of way to experience Copenhagen as a place. I've always been interested in Scandinavian design sensibility with an earlier trip when I was 15 to Finland and just exposed to that, that sensibility. And being there again in 2020 in Denmark, seeing how they have arts and culture and performance and design as part of your daily experience where it's just something that you interact with the public realm is so exciting and interesting yeah it's a really was a really good experience and that was you said the start of 2020 yeah so at some point COVID would have happened yeah I I got back five days before the borders shut wow which was very yeah lucky timing (laughs) and then when I was back home, it was after this big high and I was finishing my NIDA master's thesis in the shipping container in our backyard. Because the next year group of Danish students weren't able to come over during COVID times, they asked our group, would you present your presentation at a bigger scale on oh. the Joan Sutherland Theatre at the Opera House? Lovely. Which was amazing. So it was this huge hour-long presentation with all the design slides and drawings that we'd done and films that I'd made about the experience to an audience of Zoom eyes, but I think it was about 250 Zoom eyes, and the whole Joan Sutherland Theatre was set up with... We were on the stage, just the four of us in the group, with all the stage lighting, and, yeah, it was pretty incredible. Man. So, in some ways, COVID was a good thing in this Yeah, case. for those... Yeah, For, it, for this it, specific it situation. Actually, yes. Yeah, this can't get taken out of context. <laughs> no. <laughs> For that particular, For this particular moment, moment, that was actually really was, cool. Yeah. And the alumni group with the MAID program, so we've just celebrated the 50th year of the Opera House, so mm. um, I was lucky to be involved in celebrating that again recently this year, which was great. Oh, spectacular. Yeah. And then uh, to switch to the... To Canada. Yeah, World Stage Design. So that is... World Stage Design is an event that happens every four years in a different host country, and it's the sort of international event festival and awards for design for performance Mm. so solely for designers for performance and i was selected as the only australian in the emerging performance design category and got to take over one of my projects to exhibit uh, which almost got stopped in customs (laughs) (laughs) they um, were not so keen to find uh, hundreds of laser cut pieces of one of my set models in my hand luggage <laughs> and wouldn't allow me to explain it, deeming it a weapon of mass destruction. Oh, yes, and of course. eventually, after a very thorough search, they said, what is this? And I said, it's a theatre set design model here. Let me show you a photo. And they went, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Why didn't you tell us earlier? <laughs> <laughs> but it made it over there. And, yeah, I got to exhibit in this sort of big exhibition of 
designers for performers. There were, I think I saw 20 performances while I was over there, a lot of touring companies from different, all different countries from all over the world went and there were seminars, talks, workshops. Yeah, it was great to see what contemporary design for performance techniques and approaches and thinking was happening. That's really cool. That's so cool. Did you have to get like, stop by customers again on the way back? Uh, by that point, I had packed it in my luggage. <laughs> no, so. luggage. <laughs> no Not going to go through this again. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and the hits then kept coming, right? Because you came back from international travels and the Australian Production Design Guild, they awarded you Emerging Designer for Live Performance in that same year, in 2022. Uh, yeah, so it was for a set design with the Youth Theatre and it was a production of two 20-somethings decide never to be stressed about anything ever again, ever, <laughs> which was very relatable. And yes. The set for that was setting up the spatial zone of an apartment but making it sort of abstract and I used one singular line to create the whole outline of the apartment oh, in cool. bright yellow. So it was a design that I modelled in Rhino 3D modelling software and had to figure out this puzzle of having a line go in three directions that was <laughs> not square. That Yeah, it was great and I worked with a steel company who sponsored the show, which is Renro Steel, and oh. worked really closely with their director, Amanda, which I think that's something I uh, will continue to seek in design collaborations is these sort of collaborators that share the same sensibility. And, yeah, it was a really enjoyable project. So to be awarded the Emerging Designer for Live Performance was pretty exciting. And we talk collaborations, like exhibition collaborations. You also do some exhibition design for the National Gallery. Yeah. In Australia. Yep. Since, yeah, moving back to Canberra after NIDA and after sort of COVID things, I've been working on productions, but also the last probably about two and a half, just over two and a half years now at the National Gallery as an exhibition designer in the creative studio. And that's been great as well. It's quite a similar scale and collaborative process to performance design and mm. that it's quite interpretive. I have to work very closely with conservators about materials and display methods. I work really closely with curators on conceptual content. And yeah, it's really sort of high quality things that I get to engage with, which is very exciting and sort of develop new approaches or prototype ways to display things that haven't been done yet. So, so it's a case of, let's say the content gets given to you and then you choose and navigate where everything gets presented? That's part of it, yeah. So interpreting the architecture of the National Gallery is sort of where I start and there's usually a gallery assigned and then I work with the curator on just positioning the works and then for something like the exhibition Rauschenberg and Johns, which was the first one I did sort of the whole design for, there was a series of paper pulp works by Rauschenberg mm. that cool. are quite quite big, quite heavy paper sort of three-dimensional almost works that the curator had found this written sort of statement that the works should be displayed upright and seen from both sides and they hadn't been shown like that before in this way. So it was a great experience to sort of imagine and then realise the design for creating a double-sided floating frame system that was frames within frames and wrapped in steel and had to go on tour for two years and needed to come <laughs> apart and go back together and sort of give space around the artwork. And yeah, so that one was highly collaborative and really 
really great. When it comes to both exhibition designs and also on stage, like set designs and all of that, is there a particular method, technique in which you go from A to B, from start to finish? Yeah, there's a process. It's probably specific to every designer. But yeah, I will start with reading the script or speaking with a director about the overall concept. If it's a dance performance, sort of more conceptual or the site or something. And if it's theatre, more script. Then I'll do sort of like a script extraction, just into pulling out scene by scene, all these transitions, every different setting. So for something like Rosieville, in the script, there's this sense that there's a series of neighbours that live close together and it's all Mm -hmm. about the exchanges and the support they're giving to each other and popping over the back fence to, you know, check in on each other. So my design process is, yeah, usually interested in creating one sort of expression of this, whether it's through materiality. So for this set, it was creating an authentic timber material that could be evocative of that backyard setting and could then be used as zones and different spaces for each of the scenes to unfold. So I guess when I'm thinking about it, it's the way that the material embodies the concept. It's the way that the lighting can then activate different areas of the set or this one's slightly permeable so it could be lit from behind and through and on and then the performers how they move through it and yeah and their their costume design sort of evolves at the same time I'm really interested in sort of like the the tonal or creating a distilled design so that the set design and the costume design relate to each other so using a similar sort of tonal range and finding the different characters within it. And after all these different design projects, collaborations, do you have any particular ones that are currently standing out? Any (laughs) favourites that you can choose from? They're all very different. (laughs) Um, So it's hard to choose, but I guess there's a couple. One that I worked on at NIDA in my master's, was with the director Jim Sharman who wrote and directed the Rocky Horror Picture Show and has worked a lot on opera and different performance modes and from the beginning of the collaboration he was really interested in this sensibility of drawing on choreographers like Pina Bausch and Mm. Japanese no and kabuki theatre and so we really shared that interest of different performance sensibilities and modes so that one was really sort of embedded in gesture and that's what my thesis ended up being Mm. a case study of how gesture and how the design can embody the concept and it can be intuitively understood by an audience the other ones i mean the one recently was less with the australian dance party and i was really excitingly shortlisted for the apdg costume design award this year for that as the professional category so that was very exciting but that that project with the Australian Dance Party with the director Alison Plevy involved a site-specific project at the Les Pavilion at Dairy Road in Fishwick Mm -hmm. and it responded to the concrete columns and the different times of day and qualities of air and movement and light through this pavilion so as costume designer I was sort of really happy to be there on site visits when it was getting constructed and in development with the dancers and Alison and sort of create this interpretive response. And the costume designs that emerged from that, 
I created a series of photographic prints that then each dancer carried a piece of this mm. print that related to the sort of markings and seams of the pavilion that related to it. And they were all in white and grey, sort of different pieces of different balance of white and grey to stand against and in relation to the concrete pavilion colours. And as the dancers sort of emerged in this ritual of walking through the plains of water of the Les Pavilion and then sort of picked up the momentum, their costumes would start to get more and more wet and eventually completely wet, but it, the grey of the costume started to look like the wet of the concrete yeah. columns. So it sort of had this relational design, which was probably where I'm most drawn to creating something that relates so closely to the site or the concept and ephemeral qualities. How grand. away from the city for a while or you were away from the city for a while and then we did some world traveling and now we're back in the nation's capital Mm -hmm. how would you say that the creative arts scene here has evolved and is evolving like how was it when you left this place and then how's it looking now how's it looking going forwards (laughs) yeah i see canberra as a very creative place and that it's got a lot of this network of different creatives and artists and designers that are making and Canberra has such a such an opportunity for all these creativity to sort of burst out from it I think it's the quality of you know we've got this air and sky and sort of space Mm. and sense of time almost with Canberra that it really lets you respond to it and sort of burst out so as more people are staying in Canberra it sort of just increases that sense of creativity that's coming out. So coming back here, it does take a little while to settle in and find people and find what everyone's doing, but gradually it's it has come out and I'm really enjoying that. And I guess in the future, I would just love to keep finding these collaborative opportunities and love to work more with musicians and fabricators. Mm. I think we've got a great sort of design and sort of making community in Canberra and, yeah, finding more of that as well. Yeah, I mean, hey, this next question might segue neatly then because it's the one I've asked everyone this season so far. What do you think Canberra needs more of (laughs) and why? (laughs) My immediate answer to that (laughs) is I would love Canberra to have more making spaces, more workshops that are to scale, that are local, that are close by to the city centre, that are affordable or at least sort of low cost, somewhere that I can leave a one-to-one size set (laughs) set up and keep working on it, not have to pack it down every rehearsal or move it. I just need somewhere where, you know, you can have this creative process. Yeah, Yeah, something industrial but allows people to see that you're making things, this visibility of the creative processes so important and also just the space to prototype and test ideas and test designs and evolve your practice is so important and Canberra 
would yeah it would be great to have more of these sort of spaces or opportunities to test things and that's probably what I need next going forward into my practice to you know this set was made in my backyard and yeah. sort of covered everything and yeah just need need that space making space yeah making space <laughs> yeah and and talking about what's coming up next and where you want to go in the future let's discuss that real quick what's the future <laughs> looking like for ashling what is <laughs> oh my goodness this year's gone so quickly so let's say it what's has. 2024 looking like yeah for ashling king um i'll be in canberra <laughs> nice good start yeah yeah, it's, I've left it a bit open intentionally. Like I'll, I'll be at the National Gallery still working on exhibition design. But, yeah, it's I sort of need that next step to fine-tune my process a bit better to find – it's probably more about finding collaborators, finding fabricators, workshop space, just setting it up so I can keep making performance and design. What would you say has been the – most beneficial thing that you've gotten out of this artist residency year here with CYT? Uh, probably this show has been oh, great. Oh, that's yeah. Awesome. yeah. <laughs> it's such a such a thoughtful show. Yeah, and I've really enjoyed working with everyone on it and this sort of type of design that it always surprises you when something finally comes to fruition of will it will it work? Will it come together? And yeah, so this moment of we're in between shows on the last weekend that it's on mm. just really soaking up the the moment <laughs> yeah. and yeah hey it's just more collaborations next year before we finish off today the floor is fully yours Are there any final things you like to say to those listening uh just thank you for having me on this podcast it's great to hear all the backstories of all these very interesting things happening in canberra and yeah i'm really looking forward to discovering more it's, i think it's a, a city of discovery and curiosity so that's very nicely <laughs> said and that door knock might mean it's time for us to take our leave as well so ashlyn i want to thank you for this chat this afternoon and for being part of such a wholesome and heartfelt production thank you so much thank you <laughs> folks from the courtyard studio this has been canberra conversations in the capital for the innovatively creative ashlyn king and the excellent team here at cyt i've been henry zoo Stay safe, be kind, and we'll see you around town soon.